We are beginning a brand new series on prayer. And um, I'm excited about this series because this is a very significant topic, very significant. And I believe that God has a lot to say about it. According to a, a Gallup poll, a recent Gallup poll, more Americans will, will pray this week than exercise, drive a car, have sex, or go to work. The same poll site said nine out of ten people pray regularly, but yet three out of four people or three out of four people claim that they pray every single day. Just to give you an idea of the importance of this topic, if you go to Google and you do one of the, like a Google search engine or something like that, and you type in the word prayer or pray, you get 345 million hits in less than 0.3 seconds. 345 million hits. Yet those who, who were polled Less than, yet those who were polled, less than 100% or, excuse me, 5% of those reported having a fulfilling or satisfactory prayer life. In other words, all these people that were polled, and only 5% of the people said that they had a fulfilling or satisfying prayer life. Why is that? Why is that? When we look back more than 2,000 years, even during the time of Christ, we find that there existed this gap between our understanding of prayer and the importance of prayer and a fulfilling, rich, powerful prayer life. That same gap exists today. What makes, so, what makes prayer so important? And how can we as followers of Jesus Christ experience a vibrant prayer life? How can we experience the true power of prayer. You know, just before Jesus Christ came, Messiah, the Bible says that God had been silent for, for over 400 years. Right after the writing of the last prophet, prophet Malachi, through the intertestamental period, that's the period that spans between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There had been about 430 years of silence. God had not spoken. The heavens were silent. Then John the Baptist came, and then Jesus came on scene. And when Jesus came on scene, he had to encounter the religious rite of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these were men who actually were in the positions of religious power who held the ritual of prayer as just that, just a ritual, something that the Jewish nation did every day, at least three times a day. It was a requirement. It was an expression of religious duty. It was a requirement of association with the Jewish nation. Prayer had become something that you did. Prayer was about doing. Then Jesus comes along, and things immediately begin to change. Jesus approaches prayer differently. He prays differently, and he gets different results. He prays as if, he's, if he has a relationship with the one with whom he prays. His prayer was different. It was powerful. 
and everyone around him saw it. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, the Bible says that one day Jesus had been praying in a certain place, and his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, John has his disciples, and he taught them how to pray. We see the things that you've done, the miracles that you've wrought. We've watched how you pray. We like what we see. We want what you have. So then the Bible says that Jesus teaches or instructs his disciples how to pray. And here's the first thing that he explains about prayer. He says, I want you to know what prayer actually is. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. And we're going to take a look at what Jesus says to us about prayer as we open up this series. Matthew chapter 6. It'll be on your screen if you need a little help today. Jesus says this. But when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And here's what I believe that Jesus is saying in that statement as it relates to prayer. I believe that Jesus is saying that prayer is, a, is an intimate conversation between two persons in love. It's a private time of intimacy between you and the one who loves you. It's private. Time and again in Scripture, we see Jesus getting away and going to a desolate place, a quiet place, a private place to pray. And it was different than, than all the other prayers that the disciples had seen or heard in that time. It was different. Jesus prayed different. The Bible records in Matthew chapter 1 or Mark chapter 1 verse 35 that his disciples would rise up early in the morning, but Jesus would beat them. And he'd go alone to a desolate place while it was still dark, and there he would pray. Again in Luke chapter 4 verse 32 it says, And when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate and isolated, a private place to pray. Sometimes his disciples would find him returning from a mountainside after spending time alone with his father. Why? Because Jesus was showing us that prayer is conversational, and it's not just a casual conversation. It's an intimate conversation between two people who love each other, two persons. Jesus prayed like he did because he had intimate relationship with his father. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and my father are one. And what keeps us one is the currency of our relationship. And prayer is the currency of relationship. And here's why. Because prayer aligns my will with the father's will. And it provides a deeper understanding of the Father's love for me when I get alone with him. That's what prayer does. I, I read this book a long time ago, and it's, it's worth buying if you don't have it. I go back and I visit it all the time. It's, it's a book by Brother Lawrence. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And here's what he says about praying. He says, There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that 
of the continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. Yet, I do not advise you to do it from that motive. It's not a pleasure which we ought to seek in this exercise. But let us do it from the principle of love and because God would have us do it. Prayer is a connection. It's an intimate connection between the beloved and the lover. Jesus models for that for us. He says prayer is about being in the presence of God, being intimate with the one who loves you. That's what prayer is. So why is it so difficult to pray? Why do we have such a tough time praying? Because we do sometimes, don't we? And I'll tell you why I think it is. Because prayer really is, is about being and not doing, and we have a difficult time just being, don't we? I think Philip Yancey summarizes it best in his, prayer, in his book on prayer where he cites three reasons why prayer in this generation is so difficult, family. He starts off by saying, one reason why it's so difficult is because we're much too busy. We're always going and going and going and not enough time for anything, not enough time to sleep, not enough time to eat, not enough time to exercise, not enough time to vacation. Our schedules are so hectic. Where is the time for prayer? He continues and says, Advances in science and technology will keep us from praying. You know, in the old days, back in the old times, my dad was a farmer, and, and so I, I watched him do this. The farmer, he, he, when he needed some rain for his crop, he would stop and he would lift up prayers to heaven. He would stop and take time to spend time with God and pray for rain. But we don't have to do that anymore. Instead, we study low-pressure fronts and dig irrigation canals and see, we see the clouds with metallic particles because that's how we get it to rain. We don't need to spend time with God anymore. He goes on to say advances in modern medicine. It used to be when a child fell sick that the parents would immediately begin to call on God, but instead now we can call 911. We can call the ambulance. We can call our personal physician. We don't need to go to Jesus in that immediate time of crisis. Prosperity. Family, how many of you know that we live in the land of milk and honey? I never forget my son came down. No, it was my daughter came down one morning, and my wife and I were sitting at the counter, and, and um, she opens up the refrigerator, and she grabs a, a container of milk. And she says, you know what? I live in the land of milk and honey. He said, she said, because in the land of milk and honey, I can go to bed at night and there's no milk. And I wake up the next morning, look in the refrigerator, bam, milk. <laughs> so that's the land of milk and honey. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever gone a hungry day in your life? I mean, I mean, really, really hungry where you don't have any food or you don't have money to buy food or you don't have friends or family that can give you a meal or give you food. You see, it gets harder and harder to take time to pray when you look 
at your cabinets and they're full of food. Why would you stop and do what Jesus said for us to do when he said, ask the Father to give us our daily bread? It's difficult. And then we live in a time where it's instant everything. You don't have to wait on anything. Everything is instant. Instant email, instant voicemail, instant text messaging, instant FaceTime, Google Hangouts. Everything's instant. You can even have instant relationships. I went on online and I Googled instant relationships and over a million hits came back. Listen, there's a site out there that says, it says, uh, it says, it's catchhimandkeephim.com. <laughs> you can have an instant relationship now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to hang out. You don't have to spend time. Time seems to be getting shorter, doesn't it? I mean, we know that perpetual time is just that. There's 24 hours in a day, right? But it just seems that, that there's not enough time in the day. Time seems to be getting shorter and shorter and shorter, and it seems we don't have time to wait and be in the presence of God anymore. But that's what praying is. Praying is spending time with Jesus. It's hanging out in the presence of God. And I'll say this, and I want you to hear me. That prayer is perhaps the most single important thing that we can do as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. Prayer perhaps represents the most important use of our time as followers of Jesus Christ. So why should we pray? Everything about the richness of a powerful spiritual life is available through prayer. And God desires for us to experience a rich and powerful spiritual lives, a spiritual life every single day of our lives. As a matter of fact, that's why Paul instructs us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, pray without ceasing. Another scripture says that we need to always pray so that we don't lose heart, Luke 18 and 1. Prayer, brothers and sisters, is the gateway to a spiritual life that is full of vitality and power. Prayer aligns my will with the will of the Father. And as we pray the Father's will for us, prayer becomes like, like God speaking to himself through us. You know, Dan Gerald told me last week, and I wrote this down because I thought it was interesting. He said, he said, prayer is finishing the sentence of God when you pray the will of the Father. Think about that. You're praying in accordance with the will of God for your life. You're praying the word of God. It's like finishing God's sentence when you talk to him. Do you, I don't know how many of you have, like, good friends or relatives, and if you're married, I know you're going to know what I'm talking about here, that you can start a sentence, and before you finish it, they can finish it for you. That's both good and bad, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it's kind of frustrating. You know, you got somebody that's real close to you, and you start a sentence, and before you can finish it, they just finish it for you. That's kind of frustrating, isn't it? 
But here's what's not frustrating. It's when, it's when you have such a deep relationship and you've impacted someone to the point that you can start something and they finish it for you and it's an indication of intimacy with them. My son, we're at a very crucial time in his life and, and uh, we're downstairs in his room and, and it was a, a real intense time. And I told him, I started to say, son, listen, this is what you need to do in this time. And my son interrupted me and said, dad, he said, listen, before you say anything, let me tell you what you're going to say to me. Let me tell you. And he began to run off a list of two, three, four, five, six different things that I was going to say to him in that moment, almost verbatim. It was like listening to myself. That's what prayer is about. Through prayer, I'm giving voice to the heart of God for me. It's like God finishing his sentence through me when I'm praying his will. And then John tells us, just when, when, when we're confident of that, when we, when we know that we're praying his will, we can pray in confidence. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he says this. He says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So why should we pray? Let me give you three reasons. First, prayer ushers us into the sweet spot of the presence of God. And then prayer aligns our will with the will of the Father for us when we ask in the context of his will. And then third, I get to experience the richness of a spiritual, powerful spiritual life in Christ Jesus when I pray. So, prayer. Now that I've briefly defined what prayer is, and trust me when I tell you in the, in the coming weeks we're going to dive more deeply into this. This is just kind of like an overview. Now that I've briefly defined what prayer is and why praying is, is often so difficult and why we should pray, I want to take the remaining time that we have today to show you what prayer is not. What prayer is not. Because also when instructing his disciples how to pray, Jesus has some interesting things to say about how not to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and then verse 7 through 8. Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they might be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Then if you drop down to verse 7, he says, but when you pray, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Here's what prayer is not. Prayer is not a political device to posture Christianity. Let me give you an example. Prayer in public schools. Sure they get quiet in here. Let me tell you something. I'm not against prayer in public schools as long as, as it's prayer for prayer's sake and it's not pushing an agenda because here's what I believe. 
I believe that if we do what Jesus says and we retreat to our private place, our secret place, and we cover our schools in prayer in our private time with God, and we disciple our children in the ways of God and send them into that work, and there's Christian faculty that live out their lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, bringing life into that school, prayer in schools would not be an issue. It will just be a part of everyday life. The second thing prayer is not is it's not designed to impress. We're going to talk more about this in in the weeks to come. But listen, God is holy. He's one of a kind. He's set apart. He's unique. And he cannot be impressed by how well we pray. And nor should we pray to impress others. Prayer is not a tool to manipulate the hand of God. Again, God is, he's holy and he cannot be manipulated by what we pray or how we pray it. He responds to our prayers when they are a declaration of our total dependence on him. I want to close with this unless you can bring your team up. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus gives us an example of prayer in a parable. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, and he told, his, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. Jesus said to them this, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the the religious rite, the ritualistic ones, the ones where, where prayer had become a responsibility and not a relationship. He said one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector, and the Pharisee standing by himself prayed this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes on all that I get. But then the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And here's what I believe that Jesus was telling us there. That prayer is simply a declaration of our total dependence on God. And that prayer really is not about what we do. It's about being. Prayer is an intimate conversation between two people that love each other. That's what Jesus modeled for us. So let me give you something very practical to do this week. Very practical. Maybe you've never prayed like this, or maybe it's been a while. Maybe you just rush through prayer like we do some time at dinner time. Maybe, maybe we're so much in a hurry that we use statements like, let me pray for this real quick, like I do every now and then. 
But here's what I invite you to do this week, something practical. Carve out a little time to just get alone with God and talk with him as if he's sitting in the room right next to you. Dialogue with him as if he is truly your best friend. Like he truly is the everlasting father who aches to give you the desires of your heart. Talk to him like that in conversation. Let prayer be a personal conversation between you and God, the lover of the beloved. Next week, we're going to dive even further into the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk and discuss the character and the purpose of God for our lives and how we can align ourselves with his, with his will as we pray to him earnestly and consistently in our prayer life. Let's just do that right now. Father, I want to thank you because I don't take this journey through your prayer you give us in Matthew chapter 6 lightly. Many call it the Lord's Prayer, but I, I believe that it's the disciples' prayer. And so I'm asking you that over the next few weeks as we um, unpack what it really means to have an effectual, fervent, and powerful prayer life, that you will show us in great detail and intimacy how to just be with you and allow you to love us as you desire to. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.